In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart, and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Confess my transgressions unto the Lord. I, by virtue of my office, as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, and in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, 
I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Our intro for this morning is taken from Psalm 146, which we will read responsibly, with the congregation reading the verses in bold type. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Though I live, though I praise the Lord, I will sing praises unto my God while I have any need. Put not your trust in princes, nor in a son of man in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returned to his earth, and that very day his thought perished. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that therein is, who keepeth truth forever. Who executeth judgment for the oppressed, who giveth food to the hungry, who the Lord looseth the prisoners. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and the widow, but the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. The Lord shall reign forever. Even thy God, O thine, unto all generations. Praise ye of the Lord.
with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, who showest to them that be in error the light of thy truth, to the intent that they may return into the way of righteousness, grant unto all them that are admitted into the fellowship of Christ's religion, that they may eschew those things which are contrary to their profession, and follow all such things as are agreeable to the same. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Our catechism lesson for today is taken from the section on the sacrament of holy baptism. What is baptism? Baptism is not simple water only, but it is the water comprehended in God's command and connected with God's word. Which is that word of God? Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Matthew, Go ye and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Why is baptism not simple water only? Because it is instituted by God and thus comprehended in God's command, and because it is to be performed in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, and is thus connected with God's Word. This is our catechism reading for today. Our epistle, our epistle lesson for today and also the basis for our sermon today is taken from the first letter of Peter, chapter 2, verses 11 through 20. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your way of life honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, that they may by your good works, which they shall behold, Glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty as a cloak for maliciousness. But as servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the proward. For this is thankworthy. If a man, because of his conscience toward God, endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if, when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. This is the word of our Lord. Our gospel lesson for today is taken from the 16th chapter of the Gospel of John, verses 16 through 23. Glory to thee, Lord. 
And again a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. Then said some of his disciples among themselves, What is this that he saith unto us? A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again a little while, and ye shall see me, and because I go to the Father. Therefore, they said, therefore, what is that he said? A little while. We cannot tell what he said. Now Jesus knew that they were desirous of asking him, and said unto them, Do ye inquire among yourselves of what I said? A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again a little while, and ye shall see me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish, for the joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. This is the word of our Lord. Let us join together and confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed found on page 22. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeded from the Father and His Son, who with the Father and His Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by prophets. And I believe one holy Christian and apostolic church, I acknowledge my baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come.
mercy and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our sermon text for this morning is taken from the epistle lesson for today, 1 Peter 2, verses 13, and focusing through verse 17. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king is supreme or to governors, or as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. This is the word of our Lord. Dear Christian friends, there's a certain tinge of romanticism in our society about resisting authority. I remember when I was a fairly small child, The Dukes of Hazard was one of the most popular TV shows growing up, and it featured the adventures of the Duke family, especially Bo and Luke, and yes, I know, they were replaced by cousins later on, uh, as they thwarted the schemes of the corrupt sheriff, Boss Hogg. You've probably all heard the song, I Fought the Law and the Law Won. The 1960s, for those who can remember them, were well known for the counterculture that developed, which was very anti-authority. And these last couple of years that we've lived through here have also been marked by violent protests and insurrection. But the question that we have to ask ourselves in the light of this text in particular is, how we should view those who are in earthly authority over us. Clearly, we owe honor and respect to earthly authority when it commands what is good and right. We ought to have no problem with obeying the earthly law when it tells us not to murder and not to steal, and seems pretty clearly uh, to be what this passage in its composition companion in Romans 13 means. And Paul here is saying something very similar to what Peter says in our text. We read, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise for the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience's sake. For because of this you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So far, the reading. The explanation to the fourth commandment in the small catechism says, echoing our text for today as well as Paul's words in Romans 13, we are to fear and love God so that we neither despise nor anger our parents and others in authority, but instead honor, serve, obey, love, and respect them. All the same, it may not be easy for us to obey even human laws. For what Paul says about God's law applies just the same to our experience with earthly law, as Paul explains in Romans chapter 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, we would not have known sin except through the law. 
For I would not have known covetousness, unless the law had said, You shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Therefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. So I ask you, who hasn't seen one of those signs that say, keep off the grass, and wondered what it would be like to step or walk or run on the grass? While we can chuckle about such things as they seem fairly innocent, they point to a much more profound fault that we all share, and that if we are honest, we should all recognize in ourselves. Very well, we should obey those in earthly authority when they say what God's word says and call evil what God's word calls evil, and call good that which God's word calls good. But do we owe them our, our obedience, even when they are evil or corrupt? Peter himself had some direct experience in this, not long after his sermon on Pentecost in Jerusalem, where we read in Acts chapter 5, and here the priests and Sadducees are speaking, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And skipping on a bit to verse 40. And they agreed with him. When they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. In this particular case, Peter and the other apostles were bound to disobey what the priests and rulers told them to do, specifically because, first of all, God had commanded Peter and the apostles to do the very thing that they were doing, which was preach the word of God, and they could not simultaneously obey both God and the ruling class in Jerusalem. And so the apostles continued doing the very thing that God had commanded them to do. But that human authority had commanded them not to do, even after earthly authority commanded them again to stop and even beat them for doing so. But how remarkable is it that their reaction, the apostles' reaction to this statement, was that they rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. This is the very thing that Peter says is a powerful witness to the world in our text, both with respect to earthly rulers and our earthly employers. And we know, too, that Peter wrote these words initially to Christians who would begin to suffer persecution at the hands of the very government and earthly rulers that he was saying that they should submit to. Just a little bit later in this letter, Peter acknowledges and warns his readers what to expect in chapter 4 in terms of the persecution that was to come. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, 
you may also be glad with exceeding joy. As Peter says in our text, it does not serve as a powerful witness or gain us any earthly credit when we suffer for doing wrong. There is only external benefit to us when we suffer for doing good. Is there then merit for us in suffering for doing good? Though the way be dark and drear and painful, it might seem good to us to be numbered among the apostles and the saints who were martyred for the faith, who died confessing the name of Jesus. While we should be thankful for any opportunity to confess our Lord before men, we should not indulge prideful fantasies or seek our own glory as we walk in our earthly life. If God chooses to take us to him in that way, may he give us grace and mercy to endure it. Meanwhile, we should be thankful that today in these United States, we live under a government where we have some say what it is and who our rulers will be, something that was not a common thing in the world until very recently. But as in all things, we must examine ourselves and see whether we have measured up to what God demands of us. And as in all things, if we are honest with ourselves, we must acknowledge that we have not measured up. We can see in ourselves pride which would reject the authority, however flawed and imperfect, that God has placed over us. We have too often done the evil that we know we should not have done. We have looked at the law and the devil and the world and our sinful flesh have taken occasion from the words of the law to find new ways to rebel and to do wrong. We may not be leading violent insurrections, but we know well enough how we chafe against being told what to do or when to do it or how to do it. We chafe about paying our taxes. Whatever other ordinances that, that would not direct us to do something directly contrary to God's word, if we fail to do them, we are sinning before God. And as for all sin, we should see that sin in ourselves. We should repent and strive with the help of God to amend our lives and to be better. But thanks be to God that Jesus was able to lead a perfect life. Where we fail to submit to authority, Jesus succeeded. We struggle to obey the things that we should obey. We look for loopholes and we look for exceptions. But Jesus came to earth to blot those sins out against authority out as well. Jesus had a hard time. He was tempted by Satan in the desert and he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane just before his betrayal and trial that this cup be taken from him. And yet, what did he say at the end of that prayer? In Matthew 26, verse 42, we see, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. He submitted himself to his father's will and divine authority. He submitted himself to the authority of the Roman government to put him to death. And when he was arrested, he made it clear that he was going willingly, as we see in John 18, verse 5. Jesus said to them, I am he, and Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Jesus had many times eluded the crowds when they wished him violence and death because his time had not yet come. But when his time finally did come, Jesus went willingly. He submitted himself to the cruelest death imaginable at the hands of a corrupt and unjust human government. He suffered that death and that punishment for you and for me and for all of the sins that have ever been committed. Let us follow his example in humble penitence, trusting in his great mercy to forgive these and all of our other sins, just as he has promised.
In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Please stand. Let us pray together the prayer of the church. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give thee thanks for all thy goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of thy dear Son and for the revelation of thy will and grace. And we beseech thee so to implant thy word in us that in good and honest hearts we may keep it and bring forth fruit by patient continuance and well-doing. How awesome are your works, O Lord, chiefly the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. Show the light of your honor and great power to those in error's darkness, that by the Holy Spirit's work they would submit themselves to Christ's gracious redemption. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Preserve your church, O Lord, from every sorrow and mockery of the enemy. In this little while between Christ's resurrection and our own, do not let the threats of persecution, loss, or discomfort turn us from the joy and confidence of his redemption. Sustain all preachers faithful to their calling, all confessors steadfast in their trials, and all Christians firm in the faith for life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, you have provided us with the gift of family. Bless those who have shown us a mother's love and nurtured our lives from childhood. Bless and protect all mothers with child, all those who have suffered miscarriage or the death of a child, and all those who have yearned for a child and lived with the pain of this unfulfilled longing. Lord, in your mercy, 
O oh Lord, it is your will that every human institution exercise the authority you give from above to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. <coughs> give us good government, under which we may honor everyone, love the brotherhood, and fear God. Above all, let our subjection be offered always for your sake as sojourners and exiles in this world. And if we must endure suffering, let it be borne mindful of you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O oh Lord, you have not forgotten us in our afflictions or abandoned us in our weakness. Deliver the sick and the suffering according to your will, and give your comfort to the dying, especially to those who have requested our prayers, including Richard Stuben, Dick Rush, and Janet Rush. Guard us against despair and grant us patience in the days of our trouble as we await your perfect healing. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, give joy in the midst of sorrow here at the sacrament of the altar. Give repentance, a firm faith, and united confession that we may have honest fellowship in the blessings of Christ's testimony. With consciences thus cleansed from evil and renewed in you, enable us to stand undaunted until the day of visitation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God, of your fatherly goodness, you allow your children to come under your chastening rod to confirm us to your only begotten Son, here in suffering on earth and hereafter in glory. Comfort us by your Holy Spirit in all temptations and afflictions, that we would not despair, but trust continually in your Son's promise that our trials will endure but a little while and then be followed by eternal joy. Grant that we would overcome all evil and patient hope and at last obtain eternal salvation. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. We will continue with the communion hymn number 
we stand. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto thee, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty, everlasting God. But chiefly are we bound to praise thee for the glorious resurrection of thy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. For he is the very Paschal Lamb which was offered for us and hath taken away the sins of the world, who by his death hath destroyed death and by his rising to life again hath restored to us everlasting life. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name, evermore praising thee and saying,
take eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, given into death for all of your sins. And may God bless you and keep you in his baptismal grace. Take also and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, poured out for you for the full and free forgiveness of all of your sins. Now I ask you please to stand. May this, the true body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you in the one true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace. Take eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, given into death for all of your sins. And may God bless you and keep you in his baptismal grace. Take and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, shed for the remission your sins. Now I ask you please to stand. May this, the true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you one true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen. Savior Jesus Christ, given unto death for all your sins.
Take and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, shed for the remission of all your sins. Give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. We give thanks to thee, almighty God, that thou hast refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we beseech thee that of thy mercy thou wouldst strengthen us through the same, in faith toward thee and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. The Lord be with you. Bless we the Lord. Lord bless.
bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Blessed good morning and a very happy Mother's Day to all so named here in our presence today and uh, who may be joining us from elsewhere. The announcements are in the uh, in, in, in the bulletin. Uh, midweek Bible studies continue through Jitsi Me. Uh, devotions, sermons, and audio messages uh, continue to be available on uh, Podbean 
second Saturday brunch is scheduled for next Saturday. Uh, are there any other announcements for today? Once again, a, a blessed good morning and a blessed week to all, uh, and a very happy Mother's Day.